0: Last week on Bob Ross part one, we talked about Bob's upbringing, his sort of foray into painting and discovering the Bill Alexander technique um, and essentially working with Bill Alexander and under Bill Alexander as his apprentice. And we also talked about his fateful meeting with Annette and Walt Kowalski and their sort of vision after meeting Bob Ross that they would want to quote put him in a bottle and sell it. So (laughs) that is where we'll be picking up today.
1: And I will say that made me nervous when you ended that way, because as someone who has been described as entertaining or fun, it makes me very nervous when people say they wish they could keep me places. Which is something that yeah. drunk people like to say as a compliment a lot of time. It's like, I wish I could take you with me, or I wish I could just keep you somewhere and pull you out whenever I'm sad. Like, anytime someone starts talking about keeping people or bottling things, I get <laughs> uneasy.
0: Well, especially when you're a tiny woman. It <laughs> Katri- Here's the thing Katrina's personality is big, but she's only, what, five foot three?
1: I am n- apparently not as big as people think I'm going to
0: be. <laughs> She's very tiny and very pocket size. And so if people are saying that they want to capture you, I understand why you would be concerned because like you're snatchable. Like, I get it. My God, my mom keeps saying that, too. Like,
1: she'll be like, someone will snatch you up. And I'm like, I'm in my almost mid 30s. Stop telling I'm I'm not going to get snatched. And here you are affirming it. But I get it.
0: But there is something, I mean, what you're saying I think is super valid, and it's the capitalistic commodification of an individual as a product. Yes. And that's something that is good money and can be very good money, but I think also means that people in some ways start to lose their humanity, And we see that a lot of times with celebrities. You know who else
1: thought that was good was like Barnum and Bailey Circus. And he did some (laughs) fucked up shit with people that he can make money off of.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what leads, especially like part of our celebrity culture, is like hiding the wrongdoings of celebrities, building a cultural narrative that paints them as X kind of person that might not be truthful, but helps to sell them as a product. And I think that's like a perfect tie in to what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, the Kowalskis. So, Bob taught Annette Kowalski. He sort of seemed to help her get out of this deep depression she was in. And her, she and her husband, Walt, after one meeting with Bob Ross, asked them if he would be willing to teach workshops that they set up. So, they agreed. And because to...
1: she went to one of his bill ones?
0: So, basically, this was like... I read a bunch of different things obviously in the sources the other day there's the Netflix documentary which mostly covers this aspect it covers like the Walt and Annette Kowalski and Bob Ross sort of like Bob Ross incorporated thing like their business dealings but something that's really hard for me to figure out is like how they made money and let me explain what I mean so like The Kowalskis agree to pay Bob a stipend and give him room and board at their house in exchange for him teaching all the classes he's set up. Now, if you think about this, he's on the road nine months a year. So like being like, yeah, you can have a room in our house and I guess your wife and son can live here too or whatever. So you can save money. I guess that's fine. But like you met this dude once so that's a big this is all happening very fast yes and this is around 1981 this is like right as soon as he's retired so he pretty much like traveled and taught these classes for a year ish and then right away he's jumping into business with these other people and it seems like at first he's like he's still teaching for bill but bill didn't have enough classes for him so he would like double up like he would teach some that bill set up and then he'd teach some that the that the kowalski set up and it seems like bill didn't have a problem with this because he's really only making the 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 student fees because they're still using bill alexander products okay so at
2: first when he's doing this the only
1: other personal thing you've mentioned has like mostly been romantic and like you know his life in a in the military which you don't have much choice over so it's like does he make very like not rash decisions but like decisions very quickly
0: it seems like he's someone who just kind of like I think he really likes traveling. I think he really likes like being the center of attention, being in charge. Like he was a drill instructor. He's a teacher. Like this concept of being in the spotlight is something that he very much enjoys. He's very much a showman. Mm. It doesn't mm. seem Even like... to be like,
1: I wish that I could learn this professionally and then go to teaching it as quickly as it seems
0: like he did. I mean, to pretend like. I think he wanted, like the way his personality is described is like Bob loved fast cars, Bob loved women, Bob loved being the center of attention. So it seems like he's just that kind of like, he's like my dad a little bit. Like he's just a dude of the 80s where like, I got the fastest car and like (laughs) the coolest fro and the biggest in my dad's face mustache. I remember you saying that the last
1: time, but now that you say it, I do hear smoke over water playing in my head as you say it. And like him just rolling up like cool as hell. But I think it's just maybe a disconnect from everything that I use, you know what I mean? Have yeah. seen portrayed of him publicly.
0: Well, we yeah. think of him as this like, just like soft tender dude, but we talked a little about a little bit in the last episode that he, cons- like, he was also a very sensual dude. And he knew that his audience was mostly women. Even in, the, oh, okay. in teaching classes. And so I think that was also a draw for him is like a lot of female attention, clearly okay. several affairs and things of Which that nature. Which was what made me so
2: anxious when you brought up the Kowalskis. Oh, I, was like, I see what you're oh, saying. Oh no, the husband drove her a thousand miles away. And I don't know, I don't remember what part of that goes, but it's it makes me nervous this is happening now
1: is more like he does with ladies where like he met this couple randomly they seem cool so he starts teaching classes with them and he's just like hey bill i'm gonna start teaching classes with these people too hope you're cool with that and he's like it's fine like bill has to pretend he's cool with it so he's you he's
0: dating he's dating in class and taking (laughs) teaching classes the same way i feel like almost kind of yes. And that is kind of the thing is like he's kind of got his fingers in a lot of pies if you right. know what I mean. Well, uh, I'm surprised you
1: said Bill was okay with it at all.
0: Well, again, he's he's still spreading the Bill Alexander method. He's still calling him and crediting him as his like teacher and he's still selling the supplies. Okay. So like the only supplies that Bill Alexander created his own art supplies and that's where all the money's at like even when he was teaching for bill alexander bill alexander wasn't really getting money from those teachings but what he was getting is a lifetime of buyers of his paint products because they take one class and then they buy a bunch of paint and then when they run out they buy more paint so like mm-hmm. that's what he's gaining that customer and I is think worth it to him yeah Exactly, and he's also just a very like. It seems like Bill Alexander was a generous guy who knew he wasn't going to be able to work forever. Like he was like pushing seventy, so he knew that. Like, I don't. I I want to go to sleep. Rare, yeah.
1: I feel like it's rare for someone to discover and build anything lucrative based on their own name and have the foresight to make money this way, but not be so selfish that they would even be like yeah you can teach class but if you have time to teach two classes for them i would rather you teach two more classes for me but the fact that he would maybe be like oh i'm good with the you know what i mean the time that you are giving me and was like totally fine with him branching out is kind of i feel like an artist form of of business savvy i feel like other business people would be like no all of the time that you have to teach i would want to try to benefit off of but he's like yeah man i'm good i'm selling my
0: stuff go teach wherever That's kind of his vibe is it sounds like he was just like a nice dude who was like, yeah, yeah, like do your own thing. Like it's also this is like a time of like, just kind of do your own thing, man. Like, yeah, whatever. And especially among artists, I think he was like, I can't. You know, again, the way Bob is still talking about him at this time is with a lot of praise and with a lot of credit. And so, like, if you're saying like this man taught me everything I know and these are the paints he produces and this is where you buy it, like, yeah, go off, like do it. So I get that. Um, And so like at this time to help like bolster the classes that he's doing with the Kowalskis independently, Bill actually shoots a promo with Bob that they air before and after the magic of painting. And he metaphorically passes his brush to him. And he calls it, this is sort of like, Bill's language is he was like, I hand over the almighty brush to an almighty man and like oh. gives it to Bob in the symbolic way. Whoa. Yeah. They so did he did a straight is sort of-
1: Simba promo. <laughs> 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 he's
0: like one day, all of this
1: will be yours.
0: He definitely sees him as a protege. He, I mean, Bill Alexander thinks that he's going to retire Bob Ross is going to take over as the face of the company, selling these art supplies, and he's going to continue teaching the Bill Alexander method and keeping his legacy alive. So he sees Bob Ross as his legacy. And so that's part of why he is helping him as much as possible at this time. So in 1983, after the local PBS station in Muncie, Indiana, aired commercials for Bob's classes before and after The Magic of Painting, Bob Ross pitched his own show called The Joy of Painting to the station and we talked about this last week that at the time there's all these books, The Joy of Sex, The Joy of Cooking, this idea that creating for the sake of creation should be something that you are present and that fulfills you for the sake of doing it, that the process is more important than the product. And there's again this sort of inherent sensuality to the language. So Earlier that year, he had done a 13-episode run of a similar show in Virginia, but crap production quality doomed it to obscurity. There was, like, shitty music, the 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 production company like forgot to add credits or an intro of any kind so it was just like oh this my god horribly shot bullshit thing and it was it like once. a poltergeist of art took your tv over <laughs> if you just started
1: a show with no intro people would be like is this supposed to be happening yeah. what's going on it was who just like a man? weird surprise who forgets credits that's your
0: own names that's your yeah.
1: shit <laughs> you forget the credits
0: Well, and it says that just like the production quality, like the lighting was bad, like the camera work was bad. So it's like, well, yeah, you need to be able to see the paint. That's an important part. And so, like, oh, is that an issue? (laughs) It's kind of important or whatever. Uh, Yeah, it's a huge issue. I actually was talking to a friend last night and we're talking about like Instagram is pushing reels all the time. And oh to like God, grow, yeah. you need to be doing reels. And it's super annoying because like you really need to record you making art in daylight. And so if you're working at night, like it just looks like shit. You can't make yeah. a reel look good. So if you're a night person, like I guess fuck all the way off forever. Uh, so lighting is a huge issue in camera work. <laughs> so less reels for me because I'm painting at night now. So this first show was crap, but the second show with a proper crew and with Bill Alexander, literally footing the production bill because he sees this as again, his protege an advertising for his methods and his products. He's like, yeah, yeah. definitely like put Barb on the screen. Let's keep this going. The first season aired and the show exploded. Uh, After the first season, 40 PBS stations across the country pick it up. And every year after that, that number doubles. So like the second season, 100 stations. The third season, 200 stations. And it just kind of keeps going up from there. And part of his appeal is that Bob Ross is this like laid back, soft spoken American dude guy making love to the canvas whereas like bill alexander is this stodgy foreigner with a thick bavarian accent like yelling at you so uh, the yeah, Bob Ross that-
1: is kind of like if bruce springsteen was a candle like, that's <laughs> kind of the vibe he gets off <laughs>
0: I don't know why that's so
1: accurate but it absolutely is because it's like the all-american part but he's super chill
0: yeah he's just like soft and he'll fuck you for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure <laughs> like a candle would yeah i mean it's it's this thing where like he's appealing to that middle america moms at yeah. home you know this is yes. still when you have like homemaker moms and so like They're at home all day. Their husbands are away at work. Here's this soft, sensual man with an afro telling... What? Hello. And you just can't help but wonder what he can do with that half of an
1: index finger he's got left. Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Jordan's (laughs)
2: face!
1: So grossed out. (laughs) Yes! I don't know why I get so much joy out of grossing people
0: out. I'm sorry, Jordan. I (laughs) I think It takes a lot to gross someone out who has a Baldo in their home, but here we are.
2: No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah.
0: But, like, okay. So, at this time, though, he's, yes, he's super popular. He's, like, reaching sort of a level of stardom. And also at this time, Annette Kowalski is traveling with him. So like she's on the road with Bob and Bob's wife and son, and her husband are at home. And allegedly, why did the husband go? Well, because he's um. They still have four he, kids. They well, uh. no, they're adult. Like their kids are adult-ish. Um, he okay. Walt Kowalski actually had retired from the CIA around that time, so he had what? a lot of like. Yeah, he used to work for the CIA, which also makes the rest of the story make a lot more sense, too. But, like, he was just kind of a dude. He, like, wanted to be home. He didn't need to travel with his wife. He was holding down the fort, doing business things. And she would travel with Bob for a long time. And people said that, like, when Annette Kowalski was at the trade shows, there was, like, a palpable jealousy with, bob talking to other women so like when women would come up and be like oh it's bob oh will you sign my titties or whatever she'd be like oh you gotta go through me to talk to bob like she kind of was standoffish and people who they interviewed said that as soon as she stopped coming to the trade shows that like the whole vibe was a lot better and a lot of people say that allegedly they were having a sexual affair Allegedly, mm. she of course denies these claims, but I would say. Does Bob? I mean, he he's dead. No so word from Bob. No, yeah, from but Bob. I
1: mean, before like no one talked about it like before.
0: No, but her, his son more or less confirms those suspicions, and it sounds oh. like things changed after there were some talks and confrontation in the house because again they're all living together too, so like. It's a super uncomfortable situation. It's a very, like, couple swap 80s situation. It's very weird. Oh, God. Not my jam. But also, there's no other...
1: I mean, is Bob in another couple? Or is he just, like, he's the shit off an old CIA agent?
2: No, his wife and son... Yeah, Bob Ross's wife and son live at the house. Is he married to the lady
0: that he left that kid with still? Or another lady? Yeah. Same lady. So her name is Jane, and he was married to her until her death in 1992. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Aww. he stayed, like, technically married to her, but, like, okay. was definitely fucking other people the whole time.
2: Okay. Um, okay.
0: And, again, he married her. She was an affair that he had with, at, right. like on his first wife and then married her pretty much immediately after divorcing his first wife. So like, right. When you said that he
1: left to go see if the show went, I don't know if I didn't know if they ever saw each other again. I get it now. Yeah, no, she still like, straight, at like home. went to buy cigarettes for a
0: painting show, but I understand what I you're mean, saying now. I think that, the, the concept of a traveling show makes a lot of sense with Bob's sort of sense of independence. I think he was a very independent mm-hmm. person. He liked being alone. He liked being with nature. Yes. And so yeah. him being in the military and him doing these trade shows are a similar type of person. He's in charge. He's the star, but ultimately he's kind of on his own. Um, so I think that's like what's happening at this time. Mm. And again, at this time, like, Bill's super chill with it. He's like, great, go out, get recognized, be a celebrity, sell my paint. I don't give a fuck. Like, he's super chill about it. But all that changed in 1985 when the Kowalskis, Bob, and Bob's wife Jane incorporated to form Bob Ross, Inc., and partnered with the Martin F. Weber Art Supply Company to launch their own line of Bob Ross art supplies that were uh. almost exact replicas of every single product that Bill Alexander sold. Oh, shit. Yeah. When Alexander found out, he broke down and cried. Oh. This is... This is a direct quote from Robert Warren, who's a close friend of Bill's and who witnessed this moment. He says, and I quote, it was like he lost a son. It broke his heart and he never spoke to him again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, that is like a betrayal of just... I can't even articulate it because just that's like well the
1: second you said it I was like whose idea was this like how did this come
0: to be so it sounds like from what I read um in the Daily Beast article it sounds like uh the Weber Art Supply Company the owner of the company approached Bob at a trade show and was like we should get your name on some materials like let's fucking do this Mm. like you're a celebrity let's do it And it sounds like the Kowalskis who had invested a lot financially in Bob as a brand wanted this to happen because now they're going to start to see a larger return on their investment of his celebrity. Cause they've
1: been with him how many years at this point? I wonder how much they cared
0: about his relationship with Bill. Okay. Yeah. So like compared to
1: Bill, they're new on the scene.
0: Absolutely. But it's like this thing where like, when I listened to the documentary, the Netflix documentary, I feel like they do not place as much like blame quote unquote, but I would say agency on Bob Ross as being a part of that choice when he absolutely was. Yeah. Like they kind of phrase it like the Kowalskis are the bad guys. They're the ones doing all this bad shit. And like Bob was just this sweet dude who wanted to paint and he was along for the ride. Like he was but babe in like, the woods or something. Absolutely. But it's like, you could have just stuck with Bill Alexander and you could have, you didn't have to partner with these people. You could have been like, well, Bill has always been great to me. And like, you could have negotiated with Bill to be like, Hey, why don't we, you know, I'm going to continue to sell your supplies, but how about since I'm a celebrity now, like how about you give me like a promo fee or like, how about we negotiate something so that I, as an individual gain more income from this, Venture. Which,
1: it sounds like he's, when has he said no to him? Exactly. It like, like, it's not exactly. like he thought he would say no. It seems like more he might have just been excited to get
0: his name on something. Yeah. I think so, a little bit. Because I
1: immediately just went to, like, what else could he have branded that was not yeah. art supplies and brushes and, so- and things like that? But, yeah, it seems like he just wanted to have something to sell of his own, maybe.
0: Well, and part of this, too, is that, like, he is so famous by now. Like, yeah. he rocketed mm-hmm. the story. St- like, The Joy of Painting became one of the top shows on PBS. He appeared on several talk shows, including Regis and Kathy Lee, where Regis Philbin even paints along with Bob Ross to, like, show how easy it is. Okay. So mm-hmm. everyone is talking about him. There's all these Which articles it's like, about him. like, when was the him. last time
1: something from PBS did that?
0: Oh my God! Right, <laughs> it's like maybe some animal
1: shit. Was Jack Hanna ever on PBS? I don't even think like nothing on PBS. Re- you
0: know what I mean? Well, Mr. Yeah. Rogers, kind of like
1: national attention. Mr. Rogers. Ah, for there sure. we go.
0: He definitely is like the miss, the sexy is this Mr. Rogers. Start there? But even that,
1: Mr. Rogers, and I. Does Sesame Street start on PBS? I might be making stuff up now, but I think that's it did. even kids' stuff. I think it did for like though, grown yeah. women to be like, I think hit PBS. PBS. Did.
0: Yeah. I'm um,
1: wind up and ready for some PBS. For Ooh. my P U S
0: S Y. I'm sorry. I think too, what made him so popular was like, this is such a weird thing now to think about, but like back in the day, where I grew up, like it was a rural place. So we only had three channels. So like a mm-hmm. lot of yeah. rural America still at this time, you can't get cable. There aren't that many things on TV. PBS is on TV. So this yep. is reaching people. And like, remember when you had to just watch whatever was on? Yeah. Like, yes. I couldn't- <laughs> Cause I was
1: about to say I was, when I was younger also did not have cable. So it was great when good stuff
0: came on PBS. Oh <laughs> exactly. yeah. And so like, so many people discovered and like you would watch a talk show because like that was they're like oh they're gonna introduce me to new things and i'll find out when to tune in and like all that stuff and so like you're saying the
1: quality even mm -hmm. at the time of like other productions that were on there and you'd be like i can't even listen to them this unedited person speak at like an (laughs) an uninteresting monotone or whatever and then like bob comes on is like hi everyone you're like "Ah, nice exactly
0: exactly and he like he is so likable and he really had an impact on people's lives um there's this quote where it says uh there's a blind man who wrote to him saying he listened to the program because it quote gave him hope (sighs) oh but we also hope that his eyes would work one day I think it's more just like the way that Bob Ross talks about the world is like there's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of light. Like you can get through it. Ah. This is your world. Like you get to decide Uh what makes you happy. Like I follow a lot of like Instagram and TikTok like hope memes that are like you can do it. Just like heal yourself or whatever. I follow a lot of that because it like helps me as a person and I share a lot of that content. But I think Bob Ross was the OG where he's like, you know, here you can do whatever makes you happy and everyone should paint and like that kind of vibe. So he's giving people something. I respect
1: how he acknowledges the escapism that way. Like you're saying, he's like, I'm not trying to pretend that there aren't things that aren't as good as what we're doing right now,
0: but let's worry about those later. (laughs) He used to say, if you want sadness, listen to the news. Like that's not what my thing is. (laughs) So, yeah, that's and what again, he was. to be on PBS and be like, and now the third installment of The Life of
1: Trains. <laughs> and then he comes on. It's like, let's go. <laughs> that's crazy.
2: That would of give me Trains. <laughs> I've listened to actually, so many
0: train shows on PBS. Oh my the God. The Life of trains, trains is the gritty reboot of Thomas the Tank Engine where they're like sleeping <laughs> with each other's wives and stuff. And like, <laughs> <laughs> The Caboose has a whole new meaning on that version. Oh no. <laughs> coal is crack <laughs> Cole is crack. oh my god jordan holy shit well, now i just want to write this good job jordan <laughs> yeah this sounds like a the great wire sketch. but with
1: trains someone would be like i'm listening <laughs> <laughs> you think i couldn't this... get one more
0: general if i tried to pitch that to somebody <laughs> this sounds like a robot Sorry. chicken sketch like this is this <laughs> yeah. if this is not yeah. already a robot chicken sketch like yeah. what is happening there we go so, because of this newfound celebrity, Bob Ross Incorporated is raking in the dough. By the early 90s, the company's making about a half million dollars each year for the four partners to divide. Wow. So, like... And this is in, in what year? They're making 1990. So, like, what's okay. 1990 money today? Nice. Jordan, do you want to do it? I got it. I this is, like, so beanie baby road. money. 1990. Yeah. And they're Almost. making half a million? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, 500K. Yeah. Yeah. I know how numbers work for sure. All right. I that mean, is- for
2: the ex CIA
1: guy, it's like, would I let you bang my previously sad wife for 500K? <laughs> that is <Maybe>? uh,
2: $1.67 <laughs>
0: million. Yeah. So between them, like, for four people, yeah. Mm-hmm. Each family is making a little little about a mil, million. a little under a million yeah. a year, which is like yeah. pretty
1: fucking good for a Nothing to sneeze at. Off just the paints that Bob's making
0: more than that, right? No. So everything is that's split every four ways. The whole ink—that's like it. the whole ink. That's their profit that they're splitting. So Got he's it. making about himself as one person is making like what is that half a mil himself in nice. today's money? Okay. So I guess that would be two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in that time. Okay. And. Of course, while Bob is on the rise, he has numerous affairs, including allegedly with Annette Kowalski, but it's whatever. Um, With this newfound financial freedom, Bob moved to Orlando, devoted his time to once again rehabilitating injured animals, including the baby squirrel peanut that we saw in the last episode. Adorable. He bought a 1969 Corvette Stingray with vanity plates that said, Bob Ross. Yes. Yes. Hot blooded
2: tragedy. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right
0: song, but that's like what I oh. have. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely cad red over there. Getting uh, it in. I
1: feel like he swore when you can spin right onto the curb and he's like, "Hey, baby," and it's just fucking Bob
0: Ross. Bob Ross puts <laughs> the cad in cad red. Am I right, ladies? What's up? Uh, that's an art Ew. joke. Girl. <laughs> he is like very much described as like a hot blooded American. So that is perfect. That definitely means fucking in
2: fast cars. There's no other. Yeah. Like yeah. that That also yes. at this time yeah. probably means Coke.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't say, I mean, there's no evidence of that in the research that I found, but I would say like of this lifestyle and what he's sort of doing with the traveling and stuff. I wouldn't say it didn't happen. But of course, that's speculation.
1: I would say if it didn't, it's because he just naturally already wants so much. He makes so much adrenaline. He doesn't <laughs> need anymore. That's why he's like cheating and buying cars and doing all this other stuff. It's like he's already fucking ready to go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but kind like of. I I want to watch the video of Bob Ross doing a happy little line off a stripper's ass. <laughs> Happy Holy line. shit, he's using the palette
0: oh, knife and the palette to cut the coke? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's so
0: funny. It's a happy little line of coke. Um, I love it. Happy
2: little lines.
0: So... Again, like at at his height, millions of people write to Bob Ross. They're invested in his life. They're telling him that his voice and his inspiring words are helping them through the death of loved ones, through hospital injuries, through whatever sort of difficult thing they're dealing with. Bob Ross sort of becomes not just this painter, but a beacon of hope for people. Absolutely. And just, oh yeah. And I would say like, despite, his shady business dealings at his core. Bob Ross was someone who believed that art was for everyone. He said to end a quote, talent is a pursued interest. Anything that you're willing to practice, you can do. And I think there's an artist hidden at the bottom of every single one of us.
1: Yeah. Aww. Which is sweet. That's beautiful. But I also don't want anyone to hear that that wants to try stand up. Like, <laughs>
0: I'm so torn, but also he's 100% right,
1: really, honestly, yes. I
0: I think that something that he really believed in and talked a lot about was the idea that, like, you don't have to be the best at something. You don't have to have accolades and acknowledgement, but that the act of creating is good for you, and you should always do things you enjoy. So, like, if you like doing something, don't worry if it's perfect or other people like it which is a uh-huh. personal philosophy that i share like my beliefs about art are like fuck art school make cool shit that's my belief so i vibe <laughs> with this
2: yeah no my dad always tells me um practice practice practice
0: that's all there is it's all practice until you're like i like this and then you put it on the wall but then everything else is practice if you don't like it it's whatever keep going exactly make your thousand mistakes Hell yeah, dude. Aww. Thanks, Jordan's dad. (laughs) Thanks, Jordan's dad, and also Hippo, the dog. In 1992, tragedy struck when Bob's wife, Jane, died of cancer, leaving him heartbroken and also in a tenuous business position because now one quarter of Bob Ross Inc. was gone. And due to the contracts that they had created early on, her portion didn't, like, even though she's his spouse it didn't mean that he now owns half the company. Her shares reverted to all surviving members because they just never uh-huh. thought that someone was going to die so early. Yeah. Uh. Like, I bet what happened is Bob and Jane were like, we're way younger than these fucks. Like, they're definitely going to die first. And so uh. they created a contract and then lost on that contract because Jane died. So now mm. Bob Ross mm. only owns a third of the company that is his namesake. Yeah. Yeah.
2: OK, but it's Which, so more than he owned before because he only owned I was a quarter. about to say
1: I get I get even not really thinking about how much money that would equate to in the future. I mean, like that makes sense. Yeah. Split it up again.
0: Yeah. When you made this contract, shit. when like you were sharing one hundred thousand dollars, you're like, oh, that's fine. And then now it's suddenly mm-hmm. like half a mil. You're like, oh, shit. That so you're losing from, like you said, your spouse that you would assume you get their stuff. I get it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, Because generally the way that succession works is like if you own stock in a company, when you die, those shares go to your heirs and they now have control. Right. So like Jane didn't have any You guys can argue over it, but it would be, yeah, theirs. Yeah. And I think this is also like the Kowalskis, I think, were pretty shrewd. And I think that's part of why they made the contracts this way. Um, Okay. They're they're slippery little fellas. Uh, They're not great. So in 1994, Bob himself was diagnosed with lymphoma.
1: Oh my God.
0: And many people blame his habit of using odorless paint thinner. And he would, like, on camera, he would, like, dip it, his brush in paint thinner. And then he would say, I'm going to beat the devil out of it. And he'd, like, yeah, whap, 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 like back and forth on his easel. And th- that essentially creates an aerosolized thinner. Where you're just oh, like breathing all of it. It's God. very bad for you. Don't yeah. do that. No. So like he was that. just like low key huffing a little
1: bit all the time.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh. All the time. And so the type of lymphoma he had, uh, a lot of it was in like his nasal cavity and like lung area. Oh God. And so their thought is like, yeah, it's probably because he was fucking around with paint thinner like this. Like personally, um, I use paint thinner because I like oil paint but I use super super tiny amounts I have a window open at all times I'm definitely not aerosolizing it and like spraying it into the air yeah uh, I've used very tiny brushes and like there are some art studio spaces where if you use oil paint or if you're using odorless thinner they won't even allow you to rent space so like okay. it's very dangerous yeah wow. As he was dying, Bob did everything he could to leave a legacy for his son, Steve. So he recorded a bunch of shows. Like after he found out he was dying, he started recording like three a day. Like he would paint three full paintings and do three full shows a day. He would have his son Steve on to like. Absolutely. He's kind of this like my time is running out. I need to leave a legacy. I need to leave something behind. And so he's bringing, at this time, he's like bringing his son Steve on to be like, well, my son's even a better painter than me. Like, you should check him out because he's sort of laying the groundwork for Steve to take over.
2: Yeah. He's
1: doing his version of the paint the brush, pass the brush promo.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So the Kowalskis, however, see that their cash cow is dying and they realize like, oh, shit. If Bob Ross dies, we don't have a fucking business. Like, what are we going to do? Because he is at peak celebrity at this point. Like, he's branching out. He wanted to make, like, an animated series, a children's show. He's, like, doing all these other things. And they're like, well, we want control of all that. Like, if someone is using his image, like, I want those IP rights. And they even, as he was dying, they tried to get his son to get him to sign a piece of paper basically handing over all of his ip rights and they told his son that it was to get him to sign off on a memorial after his death so they lied to his son and were like have him sign this paper and he's of course like going through chemo and literally dying and what the son read it and realized that it wasn't that or something absolutely like his son is (sighs) an adult at this point so he's like fuck that noise like oh my gosh but they're also like badgering him all the time they're like calling him he's this like sick dying man uh steve says it's the only time he ever heard his dad raise his voice was arguing with the kowalskis near the end of his life about oh. his image and about his ip rights oh my oh god my and bob started like recording his phone calls the kowalskis always recorded all their business calls and i think it's because walt was in the cia so like bob starts recording oh, yeah his business calls with them because he's like, they're going to try to take my shit and my son's not going to get anything. And like, I don't want them to have control of me. And this is
1: ending just like every Scorsese film does when the eighties and the early nineties come is people get paranoid. They start recording each other. Like this is the (laughs) natural timeline.
0: Yeah, I mean the more paranoid people get, you're like maybe there was coke involved. Like I get it if there was. Just like <laughs> this is intense. The CIA part totally makes sense
1: too though. And them yeah. just being
0: shifty in general apparently. They're being super shady. And he even married like 3 months before he died, he married one of his care nurses, Lydia Brown, in an attempt to keep his name out of the Kowalski's <sighs> grip. He's like Because originally Annette was the arbiter of his estate, but as soon as he found out he was dying and as soon as they started like badgering him, he rewrote all his wills because he's like, I don't want her anywhere near my shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good.
0: Wow. So uh, unfortunately, it didn't really work. When Bob Ross died in 1995 at the age of 52, his IP rights were officially gifted in his will to his son Steve and his half-brother Jim, But that did not stop the litigious Kowalskis from using his likeness at their discretion. So they pretty much just are like, we own everything. He gave this to us. It's whatever. Um, And the Kowalskis did not even attend Bob's funeral. They did send (gasps) flowers, but they didn't go to his funeral at all. Oh, my God. After the fact, they even claimed that like, so the way this Daily Beast article, again, is so good. But they interviewed people around Bob Ross at this time, and they say that the Kowalskis tried to say that Annette Kowalski visiting sick Bob Ross was not a business expense that Bob Ross, Inc. should bear the brunt of, that Bob's medical bills were not a Bob Ross, Inc. expense, that they should be paid by the estate, (gasps) but that like Annette Kowalski getting a hotel is something that... Like Or like buying a sandwich or whatever is something that the estate should pay. So they were even that fucking petty where they were like trying to get the estate to pay for things that were clearly business expensive. And they were going to try to get them to pay
1: for their trips because it was going to the hospital. Like you said, trick his son into signing something or trick him, (laughs) trick his son into giving him something to sign. Yeah, it's super like shady. Have the
0: audacity to be like, oh, you should pay for that trip. That's horrible. Well, they'd be like, that's (laughs) not a business expense, even though we're business partners. Like that's a friend expense. Like they were just very like, wow. It was like really shitty. Um, And after his death, the Kowalskis also claimed that many of Bob's personal possessions, including all of his paintings, palettes. Brushes, etc., belonged to Bob Ross Incorporated because they were part of like the company's assets. Oh. So God. like even while he was dying, like Bob Ross was like giving away his paintings and he would sign it on the back and be like, This is a gift to this person because he felt like the qualities were gonna pull this shit. And it's so t- like wow. He tried to like head it off at the pass, essentially. And they still wound up taking a lot of his possessions. Uh, in one of the articles I read, his friends call it Grand Theft Bob, where they're just like hawking everything that they could get. Anything that they were like, this is ours. And the Kwalskis, now sole owners of Bob Ross Inc., again, because those shares did not go to his son, they revert to whoever oh. is surviving. Oh, God they did everything they could to dampen the news of his death so that they could keep selling supplies so like they didn't even really publicize that he was dead they tried to kind of like get stations to re-air old episodes there was one show that bob actually made an appearance on it was like a children's show that was just starting out and the he looked visibly sick And he needed to, like, be there via green screen. And the Kowalskis sued a children's show saying that Bob Ross couldn't be on it because it violated their intellectual property. Even though Bob Ross the human agreed to it and he had a recorded phone call of Walt saying it was okay. But the owner of the children's show was, like, so just, like, frustrated and sad and upset that these shitty people were, like fucking with his children's show that he just pulled the episode oh
1: god that makes me so mad because that's what i was gonna ask before is like i know
0: that they're grieving but like was anyone fighting them on any of this shit kind of not and it was because of that because they just were like i don't have the capacity they even reached out to his best friend dana um, I forget his last name, but they were like, oh, Dana Jensen. They're like, hey, Dana, like, would you be the new Bob Ross? Like, will you come thing? And he he was like the literally the day he found out his friend died. And he was like, fuck you. Oh, my like, God. Like, my friend just died. Like, I can't even think about taking over his spot or whatever. So yeah, it was this thing them. where, like, they're just trying to figure out how to keep their business afloat. But they are just
1: They're just trying to fill capitalist. the bottle back up. Yeah. He was
0: never a person to them exactly exactly and it's this thing where it's like yeah he's a human being and he was in many ways like one of a kind like you can't just get that back because like you said
1: bill bill couldn't do what he did and he was more technically proficient so it's like yeah right bill was i would say a
0: better painter but bob was a better like appealed to a wider variety of people and in a Mm -hmm. more intimate way and the rest of that time he was just teaching
1: in person
0: before yeah, he's show? also teaching in person. And was- he's doing the workshops. He's going out on trade shows, selling paints, doing the circuit, whatever. There's this whole other side story with other people that the Jenkins, or sorry, there's another family called the Jenkins that the Kowalskis also fucked over, who were like flower painters, and they also like copied their whole deal. I don't even have time oh, to get so into it. So they just go around oh like exploiting artists. Yeah, they just fucking suck. Like, if wow, you watch the wow. documentary, it goes more in depth. But basically, like, there's this couple called the Jenkins. They have, like, like Bob does landscapes and the Jenkins do flowers. And they had their own PBS show. They had their own products. Annette Kowalski came out with her own book that, moment for moment, copy it. Even to the fact where, like, she's sitting in a wicker chair in the same way that the author of the other book is. Which I'm so surprised the Jenkins didn't just sue them. But they're not super rich people. You know, they're on... Public access television—they're yeah. not like rich, but they had yeah. enough money that it was like a lucrative enough business, and they sort of like pushed them out of the business entirely, and then sued them, saying like, "Oh, you copied us," when like obviously they were first. So it was like wildly upsetting. My God.
2: No, and you just yeah, they suck. The, Yeah, you described the Kowalskis as litigious and like. It is We're difficult to fight someone who has lawyers. It is difficult if you are not in a place like financially to keep up yes. with yes. the kind of bullshit that someone who is super litigious can Who like
1: you put literally put you uses with. that as problem solving. Yeah. I do know people like that. Who will like advise other people like that. Be like,
0: Oh well why don't you just sue them? <laughs> Well, they're also, like, it's pretty clear from the documentary that he is leveraging some contacts and, like, oh. people he oh. knows from his time in the My CIA God. to, like, they're, like, well, he, like, knew people. So it's, they're like, not monsters. explicit. But there is definitely, like, an old lady mobster vibe for sure about this. It's really weird right. and kind like, of messed up. but
1: Which okay. also, like you're saying, would make someone give up possibly. We. Even if they heard, they were like, yeah, well, Walt used to work for the CIA. Like, yeah. I'm not. Dealing
0: well, and they sued so many people is. that in the documentary, they're like, there were like 20 or 30 people we contacted that had firsthand experience that chose not to be on this program because they were afraid of being not sued by them. the Kowalskis. Wow. And there are even moments in the documentary where they're like, why don't you ask someone else about that? Where they're like, clearly no, but they're like, I don't want to fuck with this lawsuit. Wow. Right. It's literally
1: not worth it dealing with these assholes.
0: Yeah. So it's like pretty messed up. Um, Wow. But speaking of litigious, despite their best efforts, by 2012, when Bob Ross Inc. was handed over to Joan Kowalski, the Kowalski's daughter, it was still technically profitable, but not at all where it had been before his death. That changed when Jansen Media approached Bob Ross Inc. and asked them to stream the show on Twitch. Bob Ross exploded in the same ironic nostalgia niche that had gripped Lisa Frank around this time. And by 2017, the company was making a little over a million dollars in licensing fees. Just in licensing fees. Like not even selling products, just licensing his name and image. And it's so fucked up that it ends up with the Kowalski kid and not with Steve. Here's the thing. According to Bob's will, Bob's son, Steve, and his half-brother, Jim, owned his IP. Yeah. But they have never received a dime from that because in 2012, they went, they sued Bob Ross, Inc., for their share of the licensing profits, and they lost, but they didn't have the funds to appeal. There's some pretty strong evidence that they could have appealed and won, but it was a $90,000 appeal, so they couldn't win. How do you lose when you have proof that you own the IP? Well, so the judge was basically like, well, that will isn't valid because Bob Ross, Inc. already owned that, and that wasn't his to give away. But there's no evidence that they owned it. The Kowalski said, like, we own this, but we don't have any records of it. And which to me is, like, shady as fuck. I have no idea how this happened. I've, like, reading the article, listening to the documentary, it's really not clear to me, like, why they think they own this. Because they're fucking greedy. Yeah, it sounds like Mm -hmm. his half-brother, Jim, like, they might have approached the half-brother and been like, yo can we use this and they were like I guess whatever but it it, there's no like written documentation of this they're just saying this is what happened the irony though is that like without the Kowalskis we probably wouldn't still be talking about Bob Ross right now like he would have died and then Steve was sad Steve was like not trying to like license out his dad's image or anything he didn't even Steve didn't paint for like you know almost a decade or more after his dad died because he was just so he's like this is a thing i did with my father everything Mm -hmm. reminds me of him i don't want to paint and in 2012 part of the catalyst for him suing bob ross incorporated is that bob ross incorporated left weber art materials so weber art materials like their biggest seller was still Bob Ross paints because there's still that niche market. And they're like, well, we're not getting money from this product anymore. What if Steve is the new figurehead? What if we do that? So they were trying to kind of do the same thing with Steve that, Mm. that like the Kowalskis did with Bob Ross in the first place against Bill Alexander to like make this extra money. And so they partnered together and Weber art materials actually helped to fund that and the compromise they eventually reached because they didn't have the money to appeal was that Steve could use his own name, Steve Ross, and say, like, I'm the son of Bob Ross and make, like, Steve Ross materials. But obviously they know that that's not going to sell as well. Yeah, so right. they, he basically, like, gained the right to use his own name without being sued by the Kowalskis in exchange oh, for all of his dad's intellectual property rights, which is pretty fucked up.
2: Yeah, that's horrible. And, like, just the fact yeah. that they allow him to tell people he's the son of Bob Ross. It's fucking awful. Yeah, I mean,
0: Steve, at the end of the documentary, it's really sweet. Because, like, Steve teaches a class and there are still people people that are like, oh, I loved your dad. And, like, it's so oh. sweet. And you're just like him. And, like, there is sort of a healing aspect to him being able to teach glass classes again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is sad that like he's not seeing any of the profit from essentially his dad's face. Yeah. Like he mm-hmm. should he should be getting some type of profit from that. I just have a few little things to kind of like close out about like Bob Ross as an artist. Over his lifetime, Bob Ross painted an estimated 30,000 paintings. Although after his wow. death, some people saw the Kowalskis telling people to put their signature on paintings that Bob Ross didn't paint so like Anna Annette Kowalski to this day is the only person who is able to verify and authenticate a Bob Ross painting so like that's shady as fuck that's uh, absolutely whatever. shady yeah so like uh- did he paint 30,000 paintings? Because everyone who he taught can paint just like him. And that's kind of the whole point, but whatever. Mm. Um, Bob Ross did not exhibit in galleries during his lifetime. And he wasn't really interested in that. He said, and I quote, I'm trying to teach a form of art that anybody can do. It's not traditional art. It's not fine art. And I don't try to tell anybody that it is. He said in an episode Mm. of the Phil Donahue show in 1994. Wow. I, I thought this was. I love that he was on Phil Donahue. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Uh, Around, like right now, his original paintings sell for around $10,000 each online. And most of the people that collect them are people who are like fans of the show. And they're considered more memorabilia than like high art objects in the way that like a Van Gogh would be or something. Yeah. But most of his original paintings are not for sale and are under lock and key at Bob Ross Incorporated. So they own most of all the paintings he ever made and they're not selling them Uh, what they did instead is they posthumously have set up galleries and exhibitions all over the world and they will rent those paintings out so they're Mm -hmm. continuing to make a profit off of right their ownership of his works They did gift a few of his palettes and brushes like the original palettes and things he used for the show and a few of his original paintings to the Smithsonian because they did say that like even his son was like yeah Bob would have loved to like be here like that would have been cool to be part of this moment. But for the most part being in a gallery wasn't something he was really interested in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is so funny. So I read this New York Times article from 1992 And it's a great article. I'll put it in the sources. Uh, But what's really funny about it to me is that, like, this is when he's at his height. It's when he's everywhere. He's on all the stations. He's the celebrity. And the reporter goes to an art supply store in Soho and interviews the people working at the art supply store who are, like, not super well-known artists but clearly are obviously artists and there's clearly a lot of like angsty like hatering if you will uh and this is a quote from Keith Frank a sculptor working at the art supply store quote it's cabinet making it is formulaic and thoughtless art as therapy so like there's Damn. there's more it's really funny to me but there's so many people that are like I went to art school and he's not even a true artist and like there's all these quotes from haters that are like abstract expressionism is the real art but now I guess everyone knows who Bob Ross is and it's clear like you're just jealous because he fucking did it and you didn't so like shut up bitch. Well and it's also like there is such a huge and
2: I feel like a lot of people who are really stuck in the academia side of things. There is such a huge disconnect between, okay, yeah, abstract expressionism, it is what it is, that is so unapproachable and completely inaccessible, but to see a beautiful landscape, that is something that people can appreciate. That brings out the sublime, but a lot of people who are so stuck in that elitism and academia side of things, they mm-hmm. they get stuck in this, like, well the romantics already did that so like what's the point why should anything look like anything
0: i do think that that's very much a trap of the fine art world if you will is like i have to be like so totally unique and like i have my own voice and i'm like whatever and it's kind of like i feel like it's such a pretentious and dishonest way to create art is to say like this is better than that I think it's okay yeah. to say, like, this has more value to me. This is what I'm interested in. This is what I like. But to put down the ways that other people make art because you think you're better than them, like, just don't. I think there's definitely cool art that is not for me. And I'm, like, enjoy that art. It's cool. Like, I don't like Jackson Pollock art. I don't – it's not for me. But, like, if that's your shit, do it. But if you're, if you're only believing in that myth because you believe it's better – Like if you don't actually enjoy that, and I think that's a thing that happens a lot where people are like, well, I'm high-minded. And so like I watched Blue Velvet and you're like, I (laughs) slept through Blue Velvet twice. I can't watch that movie. It is nap time to me. It's three hours long and nothing happens. Why? I'm so tired. But like if you're watching films because you think it makes you better than someone, like fuck off. If you're making art because you think it makes you better than someone, fuck
2: off. Well, and Fuck it's also that idea of like, because this is the big irony of it that I've noticed is, yeah, find your own voice, do the things that make you feel fulfilled and like an artist, but your own voice doesn't mean copying Pollock, because you think that that's mm-hmm. what you're supposed to be doing as like a high five, fine, highbrow artist. It's like, no, you can copy it because that's what makes you feel fulfilled, but but you're not finding your own voice at that spot.
0: My favorite slash least favorite niche is white art kids copying Basquiat's style oh, and God. symbolic language. Yes. I've seen so many of them. It's like, you're just Basquiat copy. Like, why are you doing yeah. this? Like, just do your own thing. Like, I get that you think he's cool, but like, you're not... Even drawing from the primary source of why he made those things.
2: No, that's exactly
0: well, it.
1: I was going to say, because of everything you said about Bob not really being interested in that sect of art anyway, or being exu- per- particularly acknowledged or appreciated by it, it's like he would probably read some of those con- comments and be like, yeah, I know. yeah he (laughs) wouldn't care at all that's exactly what like how we've talked about on other episodes where like sometimes someone not liking something is just reaffirming why you made it to begin with or like proves that it's the point of view you want it to be because it's like the opposite of what that person should like so it's like you're not even hurting his feelings you're just proving his point like he's making it for everyone so yeah
0: Bob Ross is peeling off into the afterlife in a 1969 Corvette with several baby squirrels, just like treading, like tearing up the road of your shitty opinions. Babes and squirrels. He does not give a fuck. Here I go again on my own.
1: Just like U-turns into like perfectly parallel parks out of a skid. And he's like, let's go. And there's just like a squirrel on each shoulder. And they're
2: like, where are we going, Bobby baby? (laughs) <laughs> i love it why are no, those baby kids- squirrels dressed in bikinis i don't like it yes. as the kids would say bob ross has big dick energy he does and Absolutely. that's why he doesn't have to be loud about it exactly
0: he does I and i mean like
2: appreciate it
0: this is something like i always struggle to I was talking with my boyfriend about this and I was like, I have a really hard time liking people who cheat on their spouses. Like it yeah. makes me really upset. Um yeah. But he and I were talking. He's like, yeah, but he's just a dude, you know, like we want to we yeah. want to put these people on a pedestal. We want to like say they're perfect or they're this or that. I think he had a good a lot of good moments. I think he did a lot of good things for our culture. And like, gave people a lot of hope and like, did a lot of great stuff. He also did some kind of bad stuff and like, really fucked over Bill Alexander and like, wasn't great to his partners. But I don't know. Man. Well, even to think about how fucked
1: up the Kowalskis were and then be like, well, yeah, they're the people that helped you fuck over like your men, your life's mentor of art. So yeah. why would you expect them to treat you any better?
0: Well, I think that's the thing is like when he first got into business with them, I'm sure it was like, oh, you think I'm great and this is all great and you're serving me. And then, of course, like once that weapon gets turned on you, you don't like it as much, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When that weapon is defending you, it's awesome. When it's turned on you, it Mm -hmm. sucks. And it's kind of the same thing with Mm -hmm. any kind of abusive person is like I think a lot of times when you're with someone and they like stand up for you, even if it's in a shitty way, you're like, oh, like that's great and then Mm -hmm. when that gets turned on you and they're like calling you an asshole or whatever you're like oh shit i should not be fucking this person
2: (laughs) have you guys noticed i don't know if uh you guys also had the thought but the kowalskis feel like the evil joanna van Gogh bonger (laughs)
0: Yeah, their dark version.
2: Yeah, like, she Mm -hmm. did everything in Vincent's honor and name and to promote him as a person and make sure that he was always, you know, it was just, like, such a lovely story. And then they're like, no, I want money.
0: The thing is, too, though, is, like, they could have been better people, still promoted his legacy, still made a ton of money. They could have just said, like, oh, Steve has... Half stake in the company or a third stake in I the was company thinking or whatever. They could have
1: just given like,
0: Steve stuff,
1: and yeah. even to be a marketing person that is that greedy, it's like, you know how much higher up things go. Even if they were like to say that he had passed away and have like a public memoriam episode, yeah, and like oh, things yeah. that would have actually honored him as a friend and whatever but again okay sorry i'm still mildly confused on this timeline i know that i've been smoking (laughs) a little bit during this but like how long did he know them
0: before he died so they met around 1981 and he died in 1995 so like about almost a decade and a half 15 years okay 81 to 95 yeah 14 years So they knew each other for 14 years. Can you imagine knowing
2: someone for that long and not having their their son at a funeral?
0: Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. And then trying to
2: hide the fact that they died so that you can sell more stuff?
1: When you said they did give some of his art and paintbrush, I thought you were going to say to Steve, but they donated it to the Smithsonian because that's probably a write-off. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) And they get to say, like, donated by Bob Ross Inc. or whatever. It's like they had, like you said, they had so many opportunities to not be completely destitute and still be half-decent humans. And we well, just and like, like,
0: nope, all of it. Loaning his paintings out, that's a cash grab. Loaning his image and license out, that's a cash grab. Like, all of this is just a lot of cash grabbing. And they could have still yes. done all that shit, but, like, with Steve's blessing or, like, at least saying, like, well, you get a portion of this profit when the original contract that yeah. they wanted him to sign was that they could use Bob Ross's image in perpetuity forever and Steve would get 1% <gasps> of the profit. and they were like, nope,
1: not going to do. Yeah, it." Yeah.
0: And Steve was like, fully, no, like fully fuck because off.
1: Haven't haven't they lived? Uh, they lived in the same house as this man.
0: He right? they kind of helped raise this child a little bit, right? That's like what Steve I'm saying. lived in that like, house. It's yeah. not
1: like they didn't have a reason to care about Steve.
0: Yeah, it's fully fucked up to think that, like, someone that is an adult that has an important place in your childhood and that you live with would treat you like this, benefiting off the death of your father. Like, it's so horrible. Right. And that
1: adds to what annoys me that they benefit off of, but makes sense that you would feel the additional betrayal and not have the energy to pursue suing them or whatever it is, or like put cease and desist out there or whatever, because it's like you're, you know, um, a do- like grandfathered in aunt and uncle that you used to live with are now trying to use your dad's likeness. You're not in, in a space where you can paint anymore, which used to bring you joy. Yeah. I can see being like, yeah, I'm not going to like make a call about this. They suck. I don't care. Like, you know, yeah. and I feel like they take advantage of even if it's artists specifically not having it in them or wanting to even give behavior this badly, the energy to sue them back or whatever. They're just like, wow, they they suck. I'm done. They just don't have the
0: means. And I think like Mm, because everyone else has a conscience, they're like, I don't have the emotional capacity to fight this. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I feel like the Polskis don't have a conscience.
1: Yes. I feel like they're also kind of taking advantage of that. Like knowing that people won't have it in them exactly to do what they do yeah
2: no. also, that's what he died about it. so young that is such a fucked up i know
1: how old was
0: he 52 uh, he was 52
1: so like he uh, and it was was it fast
0: like when they found that it was in his like it, what it he was in his had engine? lymphoma for about a year so he was struggling okay. and he went through chemo and he mm-hmm. did all the stuff but like it was the kind there's two kinds of lymphoma and i was confused which is which but one is like super curable and he had the one that wasn't Ugh. so right Aww. uh yeah it's super messed up and it really sucks and all right, Bob Ross sad.
1: we appreciate you in your imperfection
0: yeah cancer is like and love of squirrels so oh this is something maybe might be helpful but so like cancer i used to work with my stepmom uh doing pet ct scans which are basically like They scan for cancer. Um, And a lot of times what happens when you see people come in and they have cancer, a lot of times it is on cells that have either had stress or injury. Because what happens is like your body will like heal. Like if you get a tear, like we had people who would come in and they were like in a violent car crash and like where the seatbelt hit them is where the cancer was. Like it was crazy. Yeah, because it's mutated cells. Exactly. So they're mutated cells. And so like the more you stress parts of your body, the more likely it is that those cells will have to like replicate and heal and replicate and heal. And the more times they replicate, like they only have so many replications in them before they start to make mistakes. It starts getting wonky. That's why they'll be like X or Y causes cancer. But what the reason it causes cancer is because it basically stresses that part of your body to have to heal itself constantly. And it is more likely to cause cancer.
1: It's like eventually you're going to get like a sloth cell in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fuck shit. There's all this like scientific hypothesis that at the end of all of our cells, when cells replicate and divide to like copy each other, the very last amino acid in the peptide chain doesn't get copied because it's not a perfect loop so like Mm. every time you copy a cell the dna gets shorter and shorter and then eventually Uh like it starts getting into dna that matters and that's when you start to get cancerous cells so those long chains are called telomeres that's the theory or the idea of like why we get cancer but fun fact don't stress out your body fun cancer art fact (laughs) just a fun fact of stuff anyways uh you guys want to get out of here
2: yeah, well, I'm sad.
0: Presents? Oh, yeah, presents. Oh, my God, I forgot about presents. Incredible.
2: Incredible.
0: <laughs> I, uh, um, oh, yeah. So for Christmas, I knew <laughs> I was like, I want to cover this episode. And I found all these little Bob Ross branded presiden- presents that Steve gets no money for, but are very oh. cute. So I bought them. You're Sorry.
1: Right oh, I bought them. Oh, my them gosh, it's.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Um,
1: Fun dip. It's the fun dip.
2: Dip. The fun dip ruined my life because I ate it while I had the plague and now I cannot find fun dip anywhere and it's all I fucking want.
0: Oh, no. You can order it off Amazon. Okay, good. I will. Yeah, but I'll have to do that. I want to
1: say I've tried this energy drink (laughs) on goods from the woods pod because Ooh. they were trying a bunch of the ridiculous energy drinks that rivers langley a hilarious and fantastic comic would find on the road oh it amazing Right blue Oh, oh, there is no reason for it to be the color it is. Like for it to be, <laughs> oh, for it to have Bob Ross's face on it. It is a color that does not occur in nature. I just yeah. So it's befo- so it's Bob Ross
0: fund it. it Bob Ross energy drink, and I think Bob Ross mints. And then I also yeah. got you guys like a little mini art kit. But again, I was like, just
1: about to say, is this a little baby paint by numbers? It's a little baby it is. paint by, by numbers. I thought it'd be like a fun thing. Jordan, did you already open your? No, look at the back of it. It says that it's three
2: no, of I'm them. No, I'm messing.
1: I'm messing with you, saying like, did you already open your present before? Just now.
2: Oh no, I, awesome. I I also, did open it because I was really sick and that's I what I thought. forgot the rules of engagement, and so I opened it and was like, that's oh, so I sweet. love these so I much. The I love of Bob Ross. And then I went back to happy, laying also, on the couch. happy
1: little treatments. <laughs> happy little treatments should be CBD. They're, right sure oh my god be. um <laughs> but thank you so much this is such a yeah, lovely gift thank i'm you. opening these pocky right I now i
0: feel bad now because i didn't send jordan pocky because it didn't fit in her box but you will get pocky later when we hang out jordan
2: <laughs> oh yeah because no i had worries. to ship i still Jordan's. have your guys's
0: christmas present yeah no happy, happy little time, trees everyone jordan got us happy little trees for christmas T- so many happy big old trees. happy trees <laughs>
1: uh jordan got us a happy little forest yeah you guys will be well taken care of i'm so excited (laughs) i yeah thank you thank you andrea this is lovely
0: i feel bad because i got the presents before i researched the episode and then finding out that his son gets no money i'm like kind of bummed about it now (laughs) because i was like oh i love bob ross and now i'm like (laughs) oh No, I get that, but I, I definitely, I was going
2: into this like, oh, there's going to be something that I didn't know that's going to really ruin my day, but I, I just, I still love him. I think that every single person is a person. We're all flawed. Absolutely. Andrea said he's just a dude. Yeah, just we all have our histories, our baggage. We all navigate this life the best that we can. and Absolutely. You know, I think we can go,
1: we can take a page out of Stuart Semple's book and just take pictures and be like, Steve Ross does not get any money from any of these (laughs) products. And he totally should. These products were not purchased
0: in an intent to support the Kowalski family. Yeah. Just like a middle (laughs) finger in the fun dip. Like, just.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Amazing.
0: But yeah, this is our rest episode, guys. Um, well, thank
1: you so much. That was a fantastic two-part episode that, like Jordan said, like um, was sweet and heartwarming and still realistic and educational. So thanks, yeah. Andrea. Yeah, thanks for going along on this ride with me. It's good to know more about someone and still be able to like the things that they put into the universe. Absolutely. Yes. Um cool so if you enjoyed this two-part um segment what is it two-part installment on bob ross um you can follow us aka uh, and Twitter. aka (laughs) Z ross i do like sob ross sob ross can be a part of our um anti-campaign also hashtag sob ross because steve doesn't get any money
0: oh yeah Um, yeah
1: broken broken friendships and betrayals make me sob ross hashtag cia hashtag (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah if you enjoy us and this podcast follow us on instagram and twitter at pavangard (laughs) p-o-d-v-a-n-t-g-a-r-d-e i know jordan just opened
2: her package jordan do you want to tell us why you're almost crying again because the it's mini came by numbers tiny easel
1: has a teeny yeah. tiny easel which is like what maybe oh. half the size of one you would make for a dollhouse jordan it or like absolutely- double the size of one i mean yeah yeah
2: no i mean it's uh it's actually about this it's thicker than what i would make for a dollhouse but it's about the, the yeah. height
0: oh jordan okay, loves miniature, nice. which is part of why these ones specifically i chose because i was like i know she likes tiny things Oh uh, yay thank you okay. um but
1: yeah and also if you want to like us and probably see pictures of um, wherever Jordan puts this teeny tiny easel um, you can follow our Facebook group by by looking up the same spelling that I did a moment ago before that adorable interruption and if you like me as a person um, I'm Katrina I'm the one that still isn't totally sure about the timeline between Bob Ross's success and starting and start painting um, follow me at Katrina Savad S-I-V-A-D
0: on all the stuff. If you want to see Jordan cry, definitely <laughs> follow her. Um, if you want to send us other things that will make Jordan cry, which are anything small, especially sloths, or more oh, Bob yes. Ross fun dip, uh, send that to us at 1001 Fremont Avenue, PO Box number 366, South Pasadena, California, 91030 um and if you like me as a person i will be having my first ever solo art show which i'm really excited about on april 9th at far gallery in milwaukee and there's also going to be a virtual tour of that and if you like pokemon check me out on instagram let's be pokemon go friends also the pokemon i'm doing a pokemon for my patreon this month and it's a vulpix kissing a vulpix sticker and it's really fucking cute so if you like pokemon and follow me on patreon do that uh My art's on Instagram, at Andrea Gazetta. I have a website. It's whatever. You'll find it. Yay! Uh,
2: I am Jordan Lee Williams. You can find me on Instagram, at The Goonie Bird. And then you can find my art stuff, and the embroidery, and hopefully pictures of uh, the embroidery guild. I had to show a couple of the ladies how to use their phones, so I don't know if I'm going to get any of those pictures. (gasps) But, uh... (laughs) would, so would love to be able to post those um but that's at goonie bird crafts that's also my etsy and uh yeah thank you guys so much thank you
0: andrea i love it you guys are cute this has been fun we love you yay thank you we love you bye 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 guys Hey everybody, Andrea here. Uh, As usual, I forgot to list the sources at the end of the episode, so here they are. Um, The first source for today is the Netflix documentary Bob Ross Happy Accidents, Betrayal and Greed. Another major article that I used for this was the article Deceit and Scandal, The Ugly War Over Bob Ross's Ghost. This was in the Daily Beast, and it was written by Alston Ramsey in May of 2021. This is another, I would say, one of the primary sources for today's episode. Um, I also used Wikipedia's entry on Bob Ross uh, to great effect, just to kind of get an overview of some of his life. Um, Before they were happy trees, there were gold pans, Alaska's news source, Eric Sal, April 2018. I use the military.com article, famous veterans, Bob Ross. There is a New York Times article in their television section from 1992 called Bob Ross, the Frugal Gourmet of Painting. That was in New York Times, written by Alessandra Stanley, and that's where we get the young men commenting on... Bob Ross's place in the art world, which I think is very funny. The work of beloved TV artist Bob Ross is finally being recognized in an exhibition. That's a CNN.com article written by Jacob Prisco in September of 2019. There's an article in the CBC.Cal uh, Arts section, and it's called It's the World's Biggest Museum Exhibition of Bob Ross Paintings. So, how'd it wind up in British Columbia? That was written by Aaliyah Collins in 2020. There's an artsy.net article called Bob Ross owes his happy trees to the forgotten painter. Uh, That's written by Alexa Goddard in June of 2018. And there's a video of Bob Ross feeding a baby squirrel peapod that is on YouTube. Uh, And those are the sources for today. So I hope you guys liked the episode. Thank you so much. Bye. Andrea here. Um, I'm asking for your help a little bit today. Because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound, and because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, We had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out. um, And part of that is just having an audio engineer so in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate uh we're asking for your help we've set up a patreon patreon patreon.com slash and our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets but from the resources of the show itself which means we need your help um We're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. um, And as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering... Art, uh, like, current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of, like, weird stuff going on in the art world right now, uh, especially around NFTs, especially around AI, and I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content um i would also say that in terms of the time cost you know katrina jordan and i all are supporting ourselves outside of this show this show takes a lot of time i'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that, you know, we're not looking to get rich. I don't think that's ever been our goal. I don't think we ever think that could be our goal. But what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become... A way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show my experience uh with cult podcast um is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, We love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial, queer perspective. And that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians. We love you. We love this show. Thank you so much for supporting it. That's again at patreon.com slash And thanks guys.